Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. What's up, Joey? Ah, life is good here in Tucson, getting ready for some playoff baseball tomorrow with the NCAA. So I won't say what team is involved, but hey, we're ready to go. It's clearly not U of A. Yeah, it is. Ah, damn it. I'm always outnumbered on some of these podcasts. I got my session tickets, which are were $50, which allows me to go into any game I want. Okay, hold on. So I'm not even, I'm just going to cut the bullshit of intros because we got Jeff Golner, who is the CEO of STEM Sports. And Jeffrey, what was that little baseball hat? It better have said ASU on it. That's actually GCU, who UVA is taking down tomorrow in said tournament. Okay, so we are back to another sports education podcast with Joe. And Jeff, what's going on, guys? So we were chatting about all things sports in Arizona, but super excited because I had a lot of questions for you, Jeff. So one, welcome to the show. I'm actually happy to have you on because we've had a lot of big, we've had NFL, a few big guys from CEOs of NBA. We've had hockey, NHL. We had the first badass female boxer on the other day, but I loved STEM sports because I was making this stupid blonde joke. Oh, STEM sports, technology, entertainment, media or a PR firm. But then like, no, no, it is science, technology, engineering, and math. But I love because I know STEM, my little sister's a teacher, but you have STEM sports. And I know this is all about the science, technology, STEM, but in the sports arena. But I got so many questions for you because this is this like you have a curriculum it's not like a school like a virtual school kids attend to is it like kind of like an after program to school for kids who want to get into sports or tell us what stem sports is about yeah i mean we we're teaching kids stem like you said science technology engineering math and we're and the real life application that we're using is sports and it's not a curriculum it's a supplemental curriculum so the idea is that first it goes into a classroom why because it's aligned to standards that all students, teachers, schools, everyone is aligned or you know basically tested against, if you will. So those standards are really the backbone of what we do. So we don't we don't run a lesson because we want to talk about shooting angles. We find the actual standard that talks about geometry, for an example, and angles, and then we marry up a lesson against that. So because it's a line of standards, it works right into a classroom. A teacher would know. He or she would know that they're going to have these great supplements to add into their school year curriculum. So let's just use that geometry and angles concept. If, if in week 17 of the school year, they know that they're going to be studying geometry and angles, teacher knows, oh, cool, I got this great supplement that might be a soccer lesson that talks about shooting on goal. And when there's a goalie in there, you really have to figure out what's the right angle to shoot on goal. So now it becomes really real and tangible instead of this one-dimensional thing that shows up on maybe the, the chalkboard, if you will, or on the screen when the kids are studying geometry. And now they're actually on a field and they're really seeing it, feeling it, understanding it. It becomes much more sticky. The kids are willing participants because, by the way, it's kind of done stealthily where the children, students are thinking, oh, this is play. I'm in. I'll do this all day, right? Because they are. They're getting a kick of soccer ball. Wait, wait, you're not opening 
And I know you said you got here in 48, 49 states. You don't have kids coming to you guys in actual sit down school classes. You're giving the teachers of existing K to eight the materials to run sports as it relates to science, like the science teachers and math teachers, engineering, a little bit more of the people who want to get into sports, right? Yep. So let's we'll stay on the soccer thing. So we sell a curriculum, right? The manual, the Bible, I sometimes refer to it as uh, the secret sauce to the schools and school districts all around the country. And so when that lands on a school campus and then the teachers got uh, their hands on it, they're ready to go. It's that easy. We sell it as a manual only, which I, I will tell you is painful to sell because we also sell kits that have all of the soccer and sports equipment, in this case, soccer, all the sports equipment, along with the science supplies that they need to execute that curriculum. So while we sell the manuals, and I won't lie, it's, it's a great profit margin for us. It's best if I, I want to sell the kit because I think that, and, and truthfully, we take a less of a cutoff of that. We want them to have all the tools. Efficiency is key. We know teachers are overworked, underpaid. The reason why we came out with the kit was so that these teachers did not spend their own money, which we know is very limited, on their classroom, which a lot of teachers do. And it's fantastic that they do, but really the school should be doing that. So the expense of getting STEM sports into a classroom, that's what school and school districts issue. They, They take on that expense. It lands in the teacher's classroom. And they virtually have nothing else to do except open the box and add students. It's kind of an instant formula. So, so and I know, like, you know, I, I actually know a little bit more about Arizona's politics on schools just because my little sister and my family's there and, you know, her post and we're always chatting about it. And I know it's tough. I know it's, it's really hard, you know, for them to get through the school system because they're putting their own money into it. And, and I know what a mess AZ is of, and these teachers are not getting paid enough. Is that what I think, wait, wait, uh, Joe, Elle's like yeah. math and science, right? Or is it just math? She's math and science or just math? She's just math. She's just math. So, so for yeah. example, so, so if, so, and you guys do, Jeff, you guys, you know, it's, it's all sports, golf, basketball, soccer, whatever you're all sports. I know you're, you're agnostic to all sports. If, give us an example. If I'm a math or a science teacher, what comes in this box and take us through what an exact class looks like using STEM sports. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like I was explaining before, like, you know, week 17 might be about geometry and angles. And so that's when they would extract and play, pull that module in and and spend a class period out on a, on a soccer pitch or on the playground. So there's sports equipment in based on what the curriculum is. Correct. Yep, exactly. So we also created a kit that has no sports equipment simply because schools have told us, hey, listen, we can tap PE. And we can get that equipment. So what we really need is the manual, obviously, and the science equipment. And then in that case, we sell what we call our non-sports kit. So those are kind of three tiers, full, full, full kit, non-sports, and a manual. So what does it look like? So, And I want to also be able to explain that. So I was describing the fact that it obviously goes into a classroom because it's aligned standards. It's a fantastic after-school program. We have a lot of boys and girls uh, clubs around the country that are definitely using us because that's just perfect, right? More than anything, you need you, you need the facilities to execute some of the sports. Not that schools don't have that, but obviously it plays very well in a boys and girls club situation. School is also biased because they're probably running after-school programs on, on campus. And what's rare about some of those after-school programs, wherever you find them, and, and it's not to be critical of other programs because the after-school program, whatever you're doing, you know, obviously the first and foremost is child supervision when parents aren't home is the fact that our curriculum is aligned to standards. Rare will you find an after-school program that has a standard alignment. It just doesn't really exist, unless certainly a teacher is offering tutoring and things of that nature. 
again, that's not to poo-poo at all. Anything that's happening in the after-school program, it's just a little plus for us. And then certainly in camps, which, you know, we all know that, you know, camps didn't really exist last summer. We're seeing a pretty good spike in the return of camps. And one of the things that we, that as easy as we are to implement in the classroom, which I promise you any teacher can pick us up and go, when you have a camp setting, you're maybe not dealing with counselors, you're dealing with counselors, right? You might be dealing with a high school student, college student that maybe has really no background or experience in teaching, but our, our curriculum and the way we've written it to really get in the weeds is very easy to implement, making it kind of a plug and play program. And so camps were, our phone's ringing off the hook a little bit because I think now that every day a camp's probably going, oh my God, we get to open. You know, like we don't have any plans. Right? And so we're trying to sell them on, you're ready to go. We ship in less than five days if we take an order. So you guys will, you know, as soon as you get your hands on our manuals. Did you guys, are you guys, I mean, I know you guys obviously STEM, you have technology in there. You guys, I mean, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I mean, at least here in LA, LAUS, LAUS or whatever, LASD, whatever, the schools are all open. I mean, people have a choice to go back to school for only three or four weeks or come back next fall. I mean, and I know AZ, I think schools are actually in class now. For some people, we're still not part of that cusp of, are we fully open? We will be there in September. Are you, have you guys worked on the technology, on the virtual interactive training and stuff since schools have been closed? Yeah. I mean, one of the things, so just to tell you more, even more about us, as I was kind of explaining the plug and play attitude of what we do, we, we literally don't, no one needs to be trained or go through a professional development to do what we do, to, to implement our curriculum. We certainly will provide it. And I can tell you what it usually results in. Science or a STEM teacher gets our curricula. And they're like, well, I know the STEM word. I don't know sports. Like, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype by any stretch, but sometimes the same thing kind of applies to students that are really into science and STEM. They may not have an affinity for sports. And if they do, it's esports or video games. And the same is on the flip side. When you're talking about teachers, when I first bought the company, I was, we were, we were quote unquote selling professional development. I was getting calls I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got this. And, you know, we don't really know what to do with it. And I'm like, that's kind of strange. So I would fly around the country and I realized, I was doing the professional development in about five, maybe six seconds. What would happen is a teacher would say, I don't really, I don't know sports, so I don't think I can do this. And I would say, you'll never even have to touch the sports equipment. You want to know why? Because little Johnny and Jenny in your class, they already know how to play sports. They're going to be the ones that are going to be all over the sports equipment. You'll never have to touch it. You're not teaching them how to dribble, throw a spiral or kick a soccer ball, right? You're just taking them through the science aspects of the of those elements of the sport. And in some cases, you might even be teaching them how to grow grass for STEM golf because you have to have grass to play golf, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all of these things. Every there's science all around us. I mean, we could we could be STEM cooking. We really could. Right? There's measurements, there's science that happens. I mean, oh, good everything one. has a real life application. And so if you can make that application, we're talking K through eight students. I mean, picture yourselves as a fifth grade student. And what was one of those, probably one of those, not that you'd raise your hand and ask it, but you're definitely thinking it. Like, why do I have to learn this? That's the biggest question that we help to unwind. We just happen to use sports to do it. So when a kid says, I don't want to learn geometry and angles. Well, do you play soccer? Yeah. Boom. You get to make the application. And that same student might have said it earlier in some way, shape or form that they want to be an architect one day, or they might want to be an engineer. And so what we try to do is we give a sports optics and say, hey, if you ever want to build a soccer stadium, if your soccer career for Major League Soccer never pans out, you have to have another, you know, another job aptitude you'd have to have is, 
is uh, you need to know geometry if you want to be an engineer or an architect or even a construction worker. <laughs> I like I like the STEM cooking idea only because I had a really stupid measurement question the other day. And like, this is really stupid. I don't give a shit. It's my podcast. Joe, I can say what I want. I had a call. And this is because, like, I mean, not that I'm going to. I love my family, regardless of where they went to university in U of A. But I did burn through two engineering nephews. My dad, my brother, to find somebody to calculate a measurement because I just on a cooking thing that I was trying to do from scratch with um, Sunday sauce. And it's so funny because like I can relate to that because you have to know measurements, conversions, and things are sometimes in inches or centimeters. Absolutely. So it is important. Yes, I know I'm outnumbered here with U of A people on this podcast. But it's so funny because, and I love that you have this because for people in Hollywood, I'm a hybrid. I'm all about sports. And I, I did not know what STEM sports was. I Before we did this podcast, I started chatting with you weeks ago to get this scheduled. I honestly just saw STEM sports on LinkedIn with you. And I was laughing. I'm like, sports? Oh, from Hollywood, sports, technology, entertainment, media. Like I didn't drill it down that it's science and education because you know I own a PR firm. We're all in sports, media, tech, and entertainment. I'm like that is a brilliant play on what we do for a living in our industry. And so I didn't even know I mean, I was kind of half funny, but half like, oh shit, I have the wrong stem in my head of what I'm looking I've at. Never heard from of your stem. I honestly never heard sports, that. technology, entertainment, media. I literally, like, I think that's what I fell in love. I'm like, oh my God, somebody actually knows what I'm calling stem, but obviously a different page, but it's all. I've worked in sports marketing since 1993, and I've never heard that acronym used. You got started with the Colorado Rockies, well, you know, didn't you? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing is that what I love about this is because there is some education here, obviously, because I was good with my own version of STEM. But like, do you feel like with STEM sports and and I know you you came into the company, you bought it a while ago. We'll talk about that in a second. Do you feel sure. like this is enhancing and getting kids more engaged to want to learn versus just you know being in a classroom all day long? It's more like that interactive, immersive experience you're bringing into the classroom with sports. Have you done the research to where you're seeing a difference of grades go up or people becoming more engaged in science or tech or engineering because of the programs that you put together? Yeah, we have. So, you know, we ran some surveys back in 2019. Obviously, we really there wasn't much to survey this past year in 2020. And yeah, to a to a man, it was it was evidence that the needle was moving, the engagement with students between teacher and student was vastly improved, simply because I mentioned it before, the children, the students think they're you're asking them to play. That's their perspective on this thing. And so they're willing and able participants. Then just recently, we were speaking with, we have a teacher that's literally put STEM in sports teacher at, you know, at a school out in Gilbert. And, I, and I've been trying to tell her, hey, take the in out. You're a STEM sports teacher. So anyhow, it's all about marketing, right? She said, she said, Jeff, I absolutely, there to answer your question, I absolutely have students in my classroom, eighth grade, that their grades have improved. That from the time we started this process with your curriculum, and we've run a bunch of curricula through her. Some of this district has, has purchased. She's become so ardent, really, on our, our team. We've actually started to pilot new products through her so that she can test run them with the kids and give us uh, great constructive criticism and feedback, you know, both the good and the bad. And so I was just with her a week before last, and she literally said that. She goes, I, I literally have 
data that will tell you that I had kids that just, they weren't getting things. They just weren't grasping some of these science concepts. We introduced some of these, and even math. They were doing some golf the other day in front of me, and they were talking about, you know, the equate, you know, using bogeys and birdies and all those things, but really using a number line, negative numbers to positive numbers. And so that some kids were just struggling with it. We all do. Numeracy doesn't come to everybody equally. And she's absolutely saying, oh, yeah, your stuff is definitely it's unwinding numeracy for some of these kids. We've heard that a lot, that numbers just become a little bit more real because it's attached to sports and they love sports. Kid, so uh, another example, if you will, for STEM basketball. So if, if picture, I always tell people, you know, picture yourself in your fifth grade math classroom. And if the teacher all of a sudden said, OK, today we're going to do division. You know, you can have a little bit of angst from some kids, some kids, no problem. You know, that's cool. I'll do it. Again, done in a very, I call it a one-dimensional way. There's no real application. <laughs> if the teacher didn't say that at all, right? Reset that little room. And he or she said, hey, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do something totally different. We're going to grab that bag of basketballs in the corner of the room. We're all going out to the basketball court. And everyone's going to pair up. And everyone's going to take 10 shots. And your partner's going to mark your makes and misses for you on the, on the, on the diagram. When everyone gets done taking your 10 shots, come back inside. I have another worksheet for you. Everybody gets to work on their field goal percentage. You want to know why we're going to do that? Because every NBA basketball player has a, has a field goal percentage. So today, you're going to have a field goal percentage, just like LeBron James and Steph Curry and all the basketball players, you know, fill in the blank. And, and, and you're going to figure that out. And guess what they've done? Division. So there's a, you know, I mentioned the word stealth. You seem disguise. like a perfect fit disguise for that. learning. Sarah asked your, your, your sister. It's a very acceptable form of, you know, really teeing yeah. up some education and some learning yeah. in front of the students who may not be taking, if you will, what they're being taught in the textbook. You know, it's just another way to, to get there. And so, you know, like I mentioned, Haley Mercy, our teacher in Gilbert, who, by the way, it was a niece that made the introduction. You know, when she was in seventh grade, she literally overheard a teacher say, I wish I could use sports to teach you guys with something. And, and she literally told her, my uncle has a, has a company called STEM Sports. Maybe you'll be interested. Boom. So that's what's happening across the country. So what drew you to that? Because I, I've taken a look at your background. You worked for the Rockies. You worked uh, for the Diamondbacks. You worked for the Seattle Seahawks. And you, you were working in... But I didn't really work. Yeah, I did a job for the Seahawks. Oh, yeah, okay. Really the liaison. Well, that's, a yeah. that's a really cool player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how I know you. Okay, this is so funny. I feel like Rebecca and AZ. I've done some project work way back in the early, early days with the D-backs when the Colangels were still driving in the beginning and the Coyotes came out. So, because we used to work with um, Joel Hernet at Sports Arizona. That's a whole other conversation. Joe. Yeah, that's what's going yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Like, to Joe's point, you have a lot of sports background. You have the major league baseball and you know, you've done some stuff of a four world series games. I mean, what have you done? And then like, I guess I'm going to go back to piggyback on Joe. Okay. Is that why you got into this? And what did you do in the sports arena that moved you to the education side? It's a long winded answer. You know, I was in school in Tucson and um, look up my TEDx. I actually did a TEDx about three years ago. So I'm going to almost repeat it, but, uh, I was literally sitting on the couch it was probably like January or February and I was graduating in May. And I was like, Hey, uh, kind of having that internal conversation. What are you going to do? You're about to graduate. And that led me really in uh, very deep thoughts to what do you want to do? And what do you get? What do you like, Jeff? Do something that you like. I mean, it's so obvious. We all want to do that. 
But I really had that internal conversation and I realized, you know, I really like sports. I'm not that fanatic wearing, you know, jer- jersey wearing crazy guy like that, but I really enjoy it. Sarah, here in Phoenix, you know, I'm, I'm a native. I'm, I was born and raised here. So I'm a Phoenix Suns guy through and through. That was our only sport in town, our only team in town. And I would go to Veterans Memorial Coliseum for our games. You know, my dad would take me at season tickets. And that was a huge highlight to go to those games. And I could ramble off and tell you all about players, you know, the names of the players and the Suns, even other teams. But, and I really enjoyed watching what happened on the court between the lines. But I was always watching around other things that were going on. I, you know, I pictured, I picked up where the PA announcer was. Okay, that's where those announcements are coming from. Who's next to him? And so I was picking up on a lot of that. And so fast forward to that moment on the couch, honestly, I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of humans behind the activity of a game of sporting events, not just the players and the reps. There's more to it. And I popped up off the couch. I, I think either that moment, I, you know, I don't know if it was that instant, but I literally went down to high court of the field where the Rockies were having their first ever spring training in 1993 and knocked on the door, literally. And they were, they were getting crushed. I mean, the phone was ringing off the hook. The, the, the entire state of Colorado was on their way to Tucson in, in a matter of time. They were selling tickets like crazy. They just really couldn't keep up, and they were absolutely taking on any comers that, that, were, that were willing to help. So some days I was in the ticket window selling tickets. Other days, I mean, every day you were answering the phone. It would not stop ringing. In addition to that, then one morning they said, hey, you want to come in and build a batting cage? I'm sure, I'll build a batting cage. So I just, you know, helped as, I don't even think I got paid. I, that's what I kind of did in my last semester at school. And like a carnival that shows up, you know, you know, March ends, they're gone. Like, where do they go? You know, like, and I was going to move to Denver. I was actually, whole other personal thing, I was planning on moving to Denver when I graduated. So just like kind of the stars aligned. I didn't get up there until September of 93, right when that first season was ending the worst time to ask for a job of an inaugural, you know, franchise because they're like just trying to catch their breath. So they wound up hiring me first working day of 94 in January. And uh, I remember this very well. It was, it was, they played their first two seasons at Mile High Stadium before they moved to Coors Field. So I moved into Mile High Stadium at the box office. I got hired in ticketing. It's really a great way to get in for all of you college students that want to work in sports that are listening. Every team needs ticket sales and operations. So that's a route to take. And so they, they walk me into the main box office and they go, here's your window. And I sit down and I look out my window and there's, and I knew this obviously, but now I'm like sitting there and it's all coming in reality. And there's like two feet of snow out there. And I'm like, you're such an idiot. You're selling baseball tickets. And there's snow on the ground. I wasn't so much of an idiot. I worked my way up, got out of the box office and into the front office, moved into Coors Field. I've got like a hard hat with my name on it. Back in the days, but I walk people around and wear our hard hats and, and I grew in the ticketing realm for about two and a half years there. But I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm more of a creative, more of a right brain. And uh, you can make a case that ticketing, you know, was just too left brain and too regimented. And I just, you know, I, I needed to be, I needed it. My creative juices were really flowing. Uh, love the Rockies. They just kind of saw me as who, who uh, they saw me as. That was a ticketing person. So the opportunities for marketing or anything creative there didn't really present themselves. And I decided to come back to Phoenix. For a time, I ran the Arizona Fall League. I, I, I'm sorry, I ran a team in the Arizona Fall League, which is kind of a finishing place for an up-and-coming Major League Baseball player. And you can name a baseball player from Stara's era, Joey Moore's possibly. Yep. Michael Jordan did play there. He was one of the more unsuccessful <laughs> baseball players that came to the Fall League. But you guys like Derek Jeter, Mike Piazza, you name them. Most of the all-stars that you're seeing today most likely played the Fall League. And back in my day, it was cool. They 
They gave me the title general manager. Ooh. I was a general manager of the Phoenix Desert Dogs, and uh, which was great. You know, it was experiential. I'm giving you a longer answer than you probably expected, but I, I got to experience like running every aspect of a team, operationally speaking, from concession stands and program sales to making sure games started on time and lineups were submitted. I mean, everything. And then I, you know, started poking the Diamondbacks, which was my ultimate goal. And then they, uh, they hired me in a part-time way in the 97 season and then full-time role as the game operations director, if you will, for the first eight seasons, which included those World Series games, which was, you know, really the pinnacle of any, anyone yeah. in sports will tell you, you go that, you go down a championship path. It doesn't get any better than that. So, and you got a ring too, I bet. And I'm ringing. Yeah. I don't have, yeah, you got a ring. I only wear, I only wear it when I wear a tie. <laughs> the, ring looks, the ring looks really good. It's not been worn a lot. So then after that, you moved on to another marketing company. I started, I started Agency G is my company. I started Agency G. Oh, okay. I started Agency G in 2005. I left the Diamondbacks in 2005 at the end of that season. And I started the marketing agency, which is still alive and kicking. And so to Sarah, that long-winded answer to get to what you were asking, STEM Sports was my client. Oh, okay. STEM Sports was my client. They came to me at uh, the onset of 2017. I knew about them and I was aware of them. There's no secret there. And so... And I knew the owner, the guy that started it, John Schmieder, a great guy. We're still really, really good friends. He brought us to the agency to really help them with the marketing to sales strategy for the, for the products. Also needed some product development. So a lot of stuff needed to be done. He just was, he was thin in the sense that he just didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to STEM sports. John's a, an expert in sports tourism and sports commission work. He consults all around the country for that. STEM sports was a byproduct kind of of some work that he did for a client. And uh, so he really, he literally started the company in 2016, called in 2017, said he needs some help. We got our hands dirty with, with him and, and the client and, uh, and realized pretty quickly, like, Jeff, I don't think I can see this thing through. I love your, what you're doing, but I don't, I'm not willing to spend any more money and, and time with this. Well, what are you going to do? I think I'm going to let it go. And I said, wait a minute. So uh, we agreed that summer. By 2018, you know, is part of that. It was officially mine. Let me ask you a question, Jeff. Do you work with or have any of the major sporting leagues attached to you, like NFL, NHL, PGA? Have you guys worked with them? Yeah, well, we have. We work with the Phoenix Suns. I've been in the league offices for the NBA, MLS. NFL is certainly aware of us. And a lot of that good work, unfortunately, kind of got stymied, obviously, by the pandemic. So we've had a back off. I mean... We've had tons of, you know, when it comes down to it, proposals with several teams. And I think the one I, that I usually uh, paint the picture of, you know, the Suns, we did a program where we ran out 20 STEM basketball kits, Suns branded, and we identified Title I schools, you know, basically schools in need, and why, why not give them curriculum at no cost? And so we did that uh, a couple of years ago. But I paint the picture like the Golden State Warriors are, are a great example. When we made them aware of us and told them, you know, what, what this could look like. They were chomping at the bit, mostly because as popular as we know, the Golden State Warriors have been, and, you know, they still are, though there may be a little bit of a downturn with what's happening on the court, the new stadium and all the things, the wonderful things that they've done to attract corporate partners. They literally told me, they said, we need this because we li- we've literally run out of inventory to offer to a corporate partner. You know, someone that's just willing to give us their money. We almost can't take it because we've run out of signage and we've run out of TV and radio and all those traditional marketing tools, they were, they've run out of. And 
you know, STEM, take even the sports side, and I will actually want to be able to explain a little bit more about STEM because it's really important to have that understanding. And Silicon Valley, where Golden State's, you know, basically, you know, getting a lot of dollars from was a great match. And then, uh, you know, then we had the COVID-19. So those conversations will probably we'll have to regenerate conversations with people that may not even be there anymore because of furloughs and layoffs. But the, the future is still very, very bright. And we've actually, you know, we're adding some event concepts to what we do where we take our curriculum and, you know, kids, we want kids to go do clinics. I haven't even talked about physical activity, by the way, but that's a whole thing too. Yeah. We want kids and to go to sporting teams, clinics, and do all those things that teams do, right? You know, whether it be pregame or during an off-season. But right alongside of it could be a clinic that has our content where the kids go and they shoot on goal, as an example from soccer. But they're being told in a geometric and mathematic way. So they're getting to think a little bit more rather than just a physical activity. There's more cognition happening. You guys are missing NHL on here. I'm sorry. On your curriculum, you have uh, volleyball, BMX, football, baseball, basketball. You don't have hockey. Why is that? Hockey is going to be explored probably by the end of the year, but probably it won't be launched until 2022. We're actually working on lacrosse as we speak. There's been a lot of interest in lacrosse, uh, mostly in the East Coast. You know, it's 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 an up and coming sport here in the West Coast. I would probably fathom, and but we have some other partnerships, and they've they've literally requested, hey, can you guys work on lacrosse next? We'll probably do tennis, hockey. Cool. We've had requests. I've talked to USA Fencing. I've talked to certainly in the mm-hmm. MMA variety, right? Karate, white, uh, and some other, because there's science behind all these things. Boxing, boxing is a good one. But again, boxing and kids, right? So we're still going to stay in that K through eight realm. So fencing doesn't make a lot of sense, unfortunately. And I was able to kind of tell them that. So I think putting, don't think putting swords in people's little kids' hands is a smart idea. Let me ask. Yeah, I, yeah, but you guys Touché. still work with like I know you guys have your team level because like so we have the CMO of PGA coming on in two weeks. I know when I've been talking to Matt Purley a lot lately about just you know golf tournaments going around and stuff and events. He, you know, one of the biggest programs they're launching is getting people into the golf industry and educating them. And really, Absolutely. they're doing a lot of the game. And similar stuff, trying to educate and get golfing into the younger kids' hands and stuff. So I was just kind of curious if, you know, if you're talking to either the team level or the actual league level, just because, yeah. you know, we've had league level people on the podcast before. Yeah, league level. We've been, I mean, we, I'm, uh, my, my staff kind of sometimes probably rolls their eyes at me because I, I throw a lot of balls up in the air. But, you know, we've got, PGA is aware of us. We've talked to PGA. We have STEM golf now. We just launched that during the, during the pandemic. So now we're just trying to kind of, bring these, especially these new products back to the surface and, and get the dimension. And um, so PGA is aware of us. We need their equipment, quite honestly. The, some of the branded yeah. kids equipment that they that they endorse that we're trying to get our hands on. And then um, Top Golf is called. Honestly, they 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 saw us and said, ooh, it's gonna be a really cool after school program at our at our centers. So that'll be a conversation probably a little bit later. We'll probably do it after summer. They had a lot of initiatives and it was a little bit late. Troon Golf, which is a huge impression here. They're HQ here in Scottsdale, but they run country clubs. And everyone wants to grow their game. And who do you do that with? Youth. Those are future customers. And it's the same thing with sports teams. They are, every kid they look at, it could be a, a future season ticket holder. So how can we speak to them now to build that relationship that down the road, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I, I did uh, Phoenix on STEM basketball one time in my classroom or 
down at, you know, the stadium when they ran me through a clinic and it was a kid's day, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can touch and make that impression. So and you're doing the same thing, not just in AZ, but in all these other states as well, right? You yeah. have programs, other schools. And yeah, it's stuff. very sad, but we're not in Rhode Island yet, but we're in every other state right now. So the smallest state in the union, you can't get it so far. And, and that's the only good news, right, Joe? That's it. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, it is the smallest state. Yeah. Like, oh, that actually makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> and and I will, there, I'll tell you too, like, Sarah and Joe, the international phone has been ringing quite a bit. Oh, actually, good. I would say definitely before pandemic and we're still engaged with some of our, we actually have some piloting happening overseas. Yours truly, I went out to Morocco back in uh, late 2019 and we launched some basketball programming there and, and have a relationship there in Japan, Australia, some other places. Uh, there's a lot of interest. We're talking to our U.S. government about involvement with our pavilion at the World Expo that's going to be in Dubai in October, if everything goes well. We haven't really touched the Olympics, though we're in touch with LA to a certain degree. The World Cup is coming here in a few years, and we've been talking to cities that are yeah. trying to win those those matches. Which LA is, a, is going to be upside down in about six months. Time crazy. We have yeah. Big, yeah. And Super Bowls. We're talking yeah. to Super Bowl committees also. We have also the Big Fit Expo here in January, and they're one of the last big industries that was able to lock down the Staples Center because then there nobody's allowed into there for any events or anything. I'm like, they, should, they shouldn't let any fans in there tonight. Mark um, John. It's going to be crazy, but I'm going to make the assumption you're going to bring on surfing, snowboarding, and skiing soon as well. You know, our, friend, our friends in Morocco, literally, it's like, did you not read my, my last WhatsApp? No. They're like, can you make STEM surf? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can. There's a lot of science. Totally can. There's tons of science, but and snowboarding and skiing. It's not all about the Benjamins, but we got to make sure they can, we can actually. Who's going to buy that? And how? And how much? It's a lot of time and effort to make these. Don't that just happen overnight? These curricula. So it's a really, really big investment on our side that we have to show some ROI on the other side too. So are you guys supporting all the teachers as well? And really working on. Yeah. The, I mean, on the curriculum side, have they been really? It's kind of like, hey, here's stuff that you're not paying for out of your pocket. Are the teachers more open to bringing this on to fill some of the curriculum space? Oh, yeah. Educational often, side of it? It's often that the teacher will find us and take it to the principal, take it to the district and say, this could be really useful. I just shipped off 35 of our kids to one school district in Georgia. I'm, I'm, I'm still like my head spinning. Going, wow. And, you know. It's amazing, but they see, I mean, that's an obvious case where they see it and they're going to lay it across their kindergarten. They're going to lay it across through every grade in kindergarten through eighth. You know, and over time, there might be some repetition where a kid comes, oh, I did that in fifth grade or, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. But, you know, we have a differentiation too. Our lessons are, we have cave first and second in a multi-sport. Everything else that we do, all those other sport-specific curricula have a lesson for third, fourth, and fifth grade students and another less set of lessons for sixth, seventh, and eighth. So you have gotcha. a little bit of scope and that helps. We didn't have it in our first generation of uh, curriculum was here, third through eighth, enjoy. That was too much. Yeah, so we have uh, an internal now, who, team. Who develops Sean those Martin, lessons? runs all of our curricula. He comes from education, found him a couple years back. He's been a godsend uh-huh. to the company. I mean, just about him and seeing that vision. He loved what we did and we found ways to improve it. So volume two is now out in schools. And it's just a great product. And then, and then we have about two to three teachers. They're active teachers, but they're also, they write curriculum. So they, Sean engages them. And as a team, they, they produce. And so they're working on lacrosse right now. 
Okay. And we have, we have one teacher that, uh, I'm sorry, a curriculum writer who is a teacher and she knows like the, the science standards, like she can re- recite them verbatim. That's not easy, but yeah, she knows it. You know, it's really, it's really important to point out to, you know, I, we talked about STEM and what the acronym means, but we all obviously on the education side, science, technology, engineering, and math. And the reason why it exists today, this is the most important thing. I tell my staff this all the time. We are a STEM education company. That's what we are. We happen to use sports, but we're a STEM education company. The reason 20 plus years ago, the U.S. government you know, was realizing that the number of humans to fill yeah. the number of jobs, we were going to lose that battle. And the number of humans needed to fill jobs that have STEM skills, definitely going to lose that battle even more so. So if we can start a youngster's path to the workforce, you know, it might be after 12th grade, it might be after 16 and beyond, but if we can start instilling STEM skills at a younger age, a, and they, and they also understand the application, like what career this could be, it makes their education more meaningful, and they really should be a better student because of it, but it really is to fulfill the workforce. Again, we're going to lose. You know, they'll, they'll, you hear people say, oh, no, the robots are taking over. Well, if robots are building robots, then yeah, maybe, but there's always going to be humans involved in some way, shape, or form. I and mean, the conversation, I say this all the time, the conversation we've been having during this time, there's been several jobs developed. We don't know the titles of them yet, but that's how rapidly it's happening. And so we have to do everything we can to get the kids, young students, thinking about that career path so they don't wait until two months or three months before they're about to graduate while they're sitting on their couch. This would have been really helpful for me. And I mean that in the most sincerest way. I'm a right-brainer. I learned with my hands. When, when I got thrown into a textbook, I was an awful student. I couldn't stay in it. More times than not, I'd take a break. I'd be shooting baskets out front. And I come back in and try to do a little bit more. It didn't work for me. So if I had had this, wow, could have been a real bit of game changer. And the good news too is hands-on learning methods don't leave a left brainer out. Those kids can learn hands-on too. They're really good in the textbook and learning that way, if you will, just to break it down simply. So our, our curriculum is for everyone really. And also it doesn't matter if you're not, if you're not athletic, no problem. It yeah. might very well help the job that's having numeracy issues in sixth grade. You know, that student might very well help them. It's very collaborative in nature. It's not, you're not putting a, we're not putting mm-hmm. students out on their own, on their own shingle to figure this stuff out. It's usually very team oriented or pairing up or, and a teacher is really like a tour guide. It's kind of way I put it, especially I don't come from education. So I use these weird terms and Sean on my team goes, I wouldn't use that term. No, I'm going to use that term tour guide or just a guiding force. Just let the kids, let the kids learn because the students are professional learners. They really are. That's what they have to do every day. So you can just perpetuate it and push them down. And these kids are going are gonna to think about things they've never thought about before. What's a basketball made of? Oh, by the way, a human made that. That could be your job. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. They probably haven't ever thought about being a basketball manufacturer, engineer, or designer. Trust me, they're, they're out there. So we're running out of time here, but it's good having you on. Talk too much. Well, and, uh, well, and what was your favorite sports? What's your favorite sport to play and favorite one to watch? Right. Yeah, probably basketball. You know, working in baseball is not, you, know, you really shouldn't be your first choice. You have more home games, more games overall. You know, a half of a baseball season is a full basketball season. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait your, your, favorite, your favorite sports to watch as a sport yeah. fan is basketball. Yeah. What was your favorite sport to play growing up? Basketball. Joey. Me? Baseball and oh. baseball, but. I ended up playing soccer for my adult life until I was 52 years old. So 
There you go. Just last year. Yeah, right. About six years ago. <laughs> so, I, so I'm not going to ask favorite sports teams and collegiate sports because I got two U of A guys on this podcast. So we're going to nix that question because the ASU will not come out of your mouth, Joey. AS who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was so good having you on, Jeff. I mean, I do think it's important because we talk about such great stuff from sports to technology, entertainment, but the educational side of it was definitely a great subject yeah. with all the other things we're doing in life and with this podcast. I'm super happy you came on and was able to join us today. And for awesome. everybody out there, where's a good place to find you and to find STEM sports? STEMsports.com is probably the best place. We're super transparent. We, we flash up our email address and our phone number. You don't have to fill out a form to talk to us. So we're, we're always engaged with who, who's interested, right? And uh, Sarah, you may, yeah. may or may not appreciate this. Things have gotten very, very good and busy. We're really happy and pleased to hear. You know, we want the kids back in school. But we also want it to be safe. We also need, it needs to be safe for adults. Well, why would I want to be happy about that? My little sister has to be so, back. No, no. I didn't get to finish the statement. We just hired a marketing agency. Ah, but that's not PR. There's a big difference. That's, no, a, diff- be, that's a whole different conversation. They're going to be doing our PR. They're going to be doing our you know, digital strategy and, and, and even in the paid and, and organic side of the equation. So we Good luck with all this. It sounds like you guys are on the right trajectory and everything. Yeah. So I appreciate you being yeah. on the show. Joey, it's always good to hang out with you. Except when we talk college. Uh, we have plenty to talk about. Ah, I'm going to forgive you for the UV. Yeah, we do. (laughs) We have a lot to go on. But until then, thank you guys for coming on the podcast, everybody listening. And we'll see everybody next week. This is Sarah Miller, Me and Maven's podcast. Talk to you all soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Maven's podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Maven's podcast on your favorite podcast provider, To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.